The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. been talking about forms of delusion over the last few weeks and started last week talking about um, one of the key kind of forms of delusion that the Buddha pointed to as creating suffering, a very human form of delusion, of that of um, taking what is not self to be self, of how suffering is created around identities, around um, holding on, holding tightly to who we think we are. And not only that, because um, the suffering around selfing and identities is, is not only around our own um, constructions of, of our own identities, but the kind of constructions we apply to other people, the, the identities we put on others. And so the, the exploration of the, um, this, this illusion of self applies not only to our illusions about our own uh, sense of self, but our illusions about others as well. So it's, a, it's an important important place to recognize that we have these kind of delusions and illusions going in our relationships as well as in our own uh, system. So last week I talked um, a little bit about this delusion of self in kind of very... um, I talked about some analogies about this sense of self and how it can be understood as an illusion. And I'd like to review that, actually, to start with a little bit of a review of that. I used the rainbow analogy last time. And um, um, I'm going to shift the way I talk about that analogy this time because I heard a teacher, uh, Joseph Goldstein, give a different version of that rainbow analogy that was, it, it, it offers a different flavor of it, and he he said that uh, he was on Hawaii at one point, down at the coast where there's all these lava formations, and um, the way the lava is formed, there's all these tubes, lava tubes, and so sometimes when the water rushes in, the water rushes in through the lava tubes and then ex- explodes up. So you get these uh, these blowholes that explode up. And he was standing in a place where every time one of the waves rushed in and the blowhole came up, there was a rainbow. And then, of course, as the water went down, the rainbow vanished. And so it was a very dynamic uh, recognition of the conditions that come together to create a rainbow. If he kind of walked around to the other side of the blowhole, he wouldn't have seen the rainbow because the conditions need to be the, the... the um, location of the sun and the observer to create the appearance of the rainbow. And then, um, so, so the, and then there's the condition of the water coming and going. So when the water passes, the rainbow passes. And so the, the, these things, the position of the sun, the appearance of the water, the position of the observer, all of those conditions need to come together to create the, the rainbow. And he said, 
in that moment, he, he really kind of clearly saw, oh yes, that's how the sense of self is. It's a creation of many conditions coming together. It's not that it's, it's not that it's not a process. I mean, anybody standing in that location, and the other thing is the observer has to have eyes, right? And the eyes have to be open. The observer has to be facing the correct direction, so other conditions like that. So anybody else standing in that place would also see a rainbow. And so it's not that the rainbow is a figment of imagination. There's something there. But we can't say that it exists as a thing in the way that we think of a thing, that it has some kind of enduring stability. And we can, we can recognize that the, the, the rainbow is very dependent on these ephemeral conditions. You know, the sun goes behind a cloud, the rainbow goes away. So there's, there's all kinds of conditions. And so it's in a way we can think of the rainbow as a creation of conditions, as a process that is happening but not as an entity. And that's more like what our sense of self is. I used to think when I was, when I was uh, um, a kid, you know, I knew the ephemerality of rainbows and I thought, I thought you couldn't take pictures of them because I thought they were so ephemeral that, that it wouldn't show up on film. And then I discovered that they could and it's like, Wow. Maybe, you know, and, and so it confused me because I understood that rainbows were very ephemeral and I thought, that, I thought that they wouldn't be able to be, you know, captured in some way. But they, they, there is a way that they can be captured, they can be described, they can be identified as a something in that we give it a, a name, but it's not a something in that it endures, that it's got an, an inherent existence. A rainbow has no inherent existence as, as a thing in and of itself. It's dependent on these other factors. Any one of those factors goes away, the rainbow doesn't have an existence. And the, the sense of self is kind of like that. That there's something happening in our system, something happening in our minds and bodies, a kind of a flow of continuity perhaps, a sense of memory, a sense of maybe some sense of control, all kinds of things that, that come together in our system that we identify as, well, this is me. This is who I am. And yet when we start to look at it, when we start to to recognize it, we see that what it is that we take to be I or me or mine is not an entity. It's more of a coming together of process. It's a coming together of thoughts of past experience and familiar uh, body sensations and familiar ways that we interact with people. It's, it's a whole coming together of many different things. So, so just right now, think about different ways, perhaps, that you... Different roles, maybe. Um, um, so for myself, I've, I've got a role of daughter and a role of teacher. And boy, those two have very different feelings. You know, it's like different... Different experience as daughter and teacher. 
And yet, you know, it's, it's almost like our minds don't recognize that. You know, so the teacher, the teacher comes to be when here I am sitting in front of a room and start sharing, communicating. Sometimes the teacher comes to be when I'm by myself, when I think about teaching. That's, I think, an important thing to recognize. That the, this is part of how the process of selfing feels more like uh, a thing. That when, when, like, for instance, if I think about sitting in front of a room of people giving a talk or think about teaching a retreat, some of the feelings of being a teacher arise. And so it's, oh, yes, that's that teacher identity. And so in a way, it's, it's partly that process that comes to be that, that we recognize the, you know, the, that when we think about uh, interacting with a particular person in a particular role, the feelings around that identity kind of arise. And so we think that they're kind of always there somehow, as opposed to being created by the condition of the memory of the, the situation and the, the kind of response to the memory in the present moment. So, you know, just if you, if you just reflect for a few moments on different roles and different ways you might feel in those different roles. For myself, I began to recognize that um, you know, there, were some, there were some other things that seemed kind of common through certain identities that might feel more like a core me. You know, certain, uh, certain kinds of contractions or certain... Uh, familiar patterns and habits that that um, you know, certain certain deeper kinds of conditioning around um, um, safety and um, things that I feel capable of you know certain certain things like that 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 kind of spread out into multiple roles and yet those two are are based on conditions. They're based on histories. They're based on what I learned. They're based on experiences that I had. Again, they're not inherent in me, but are a process of conditioning. And in the moment, kind of, there's often a kind of a trigger or a memory or a, a something that arises that puts us in the space of a particular identity. And in the moment, the identity is then created, like that rainbow, like that, like that blowhole rainbow. It's like, poof, here's that identity. And we impute, our, our minds impute a sense of continuity to that because it's familiar, because it's been experienced um, because the conditioning has created the uh, possibility for that particular flavor of um, of conditioning to arise more frequently, so I wanted I want to open into a conversation a little bit um, because what I'd like to explore today is I think a big piece of looking at this teaching or this confusion, this delusion around self. Like, what is that we take to be self? Looking at that from that perspective, what, what am I taking to be I or me or mine? And, correspondingly, what am I taking to be other? 
Because if sometimes the sense of self is not so obvious, but I feel like somebody else is an other. And so if we are othering, almost by definition we are selfing, but the, it's like the, the sense of that person is doing this thing and, and kind, of a, uh, a kind of a congealing of our idea of an identity for them. This is a huge area of suffering in our world these identities that we put on other people. It's um, people will go into, people will go into a, a, a concert with teenagers and blow themselves up. This happened yesterday. Out of identities, out of selfing and othering. So this is, this is a huge source of, of suffering in our worlds that we don't recognize this as a process that we we, we congeal, we solidify around these identities and then behave from them as if they are, 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 are stable and um, somehow um, firm. You know, that we, we take those, those identities to be who we are, who others are, and that means something. And it means something. We've got different views, different beliefs. We have to... We have to blow people up because of different beliefs. So the, um, you know, this kind of selfing and othering, this confusion around d- uh, the sense of self is, is responsible for a lot of suffering in our world. It's responsible for so many of the isms of our world, of racism, of sexism, of, of homophobia, of, of classism, of... You know, so many of the different ways that we divide each other of, of, you know, the political divisions in our country right now, I feel like there's much more solidity happening in terms of self and other around politics and political parties. So, you know, th- there's so much suffering that's happening around this kind of process in our minds. And so beginning to be curious about it, beginning to be curious about how do I create a sense of self? How do I create a sense of other? And also, what senses of self are not seen? This is another area that I think is, is a big area of, um, of uh, suffering. You know, the, the, I think a lot of the suffering around othering partly happens because we are unaware of our own selfing our own views, our own perspectives. It's like, that's different over there. But not seeing that what's happening here is, is its own perspective, its own view. Its own uh, kind of congealing. And so, um, you know, the, the, um, this not recognizing that there's an identity around being white, for example. Not recognizing, uh, for those of us in the dominant um, culture, that we have a view, a perspective, an identity around that that is often unseen. And then others are made to be uh, different or, um, or sometimes bad or wrong or when they're not, um, when when they're not, kind of in that view of the dominant culture, 
And so beginning to recognize, first of all, what are my familiar identities? That's a great place to start. And then beginning to recognize that, that we have so many identities that we are unaware of. And even those, and especially those, can create suffering in the world. So it's, I think it's an important exploration. And yet it's not about kind of trying to apply this idea of not-self and saying, you know, oh, there's no self, so, um, um, you know, this is, this, you know, it doesn't matter what I do or, there, you know, it, or, this, yeah, there's just ways that we, we may try to apply that teaching like if we're feeling, uh, or we may beat ourselves up a- around it. Like we might, we might, in feeling a sense of self-righteousness, kind of try to tell ourselves, well, there's no self, so I shouldn't feel this way. The exploration, I think, is, is most uh, congruent and most effective when we start where we are. And that's starting to recognize what are the ways that we take a sense of self? What are the ways that we, that we own a sense of self? There's another piece of this, too, that I want to point to. So there are ways that we have a sen- senses of our own sense of self, which um, you know, probably has been partly constructed by, or is constructed by our conditioning, our lives, our habits. And there are ways that we've picked up you know, based on how we were treated as a kid or how our parents treated us or, you know, so all of the ways that we were raised based also on our own senses of ourself, we have certain identities that we kind of buy into. You know, it's like, yeah, this is who I am. We have those identities. This is who I am. Some of those are uh, happy identities, yeah, this is who I am. I'm the person that can do these things. I'm the person who can figure things out. I'm the person who can solve math problems. Or, And then there are some not-so-happy identities, like, oh, I'm the person who's miserable, and I'm the person who feels like a failure. And for me, these are all identities that I've, I've had. And... Uh, you know, they, they coexisted in so many ways. So there, we, we have these identities that we, we kind of uh, believe about ourselves. And then there are times that identities, and this is another place, I mean, and these kind of identities that we create for ourselves, these kind of identities uh, create suffering in ways that they kind of limit us. They, um, we have these ideas about who we are, what we're capable of, Sometimes, um, sometimes with those, those, quote, happy identities, they can create a setup. Oh, I'm the person who can do these things, and then we find out we can't always. This is what, in my experience, flipped me from feeling like I'm a success to I'm a failure. So owning that kind, you know, recognizing this, this shifting identities that we... Um, uh, when we don't have control over our lives of, of the world, these identities that we hold to that are the happy identities, well, the bubble gets popped around those and then we suffer. We suffer because, wow, I can't, I, I, I can't always do that thing. Well, maybe I'm not a success. 
oh my gosh, I'm a failure. And so we plunge and we, we end up on this like seesaw of flopping identities. Instead of recognizing all conditions created the situation for um, what I would conventionally call success here. Conditions created the, the situation for what I would conventionally call failure here. It's not, it's not me who's a success or failure. It's conditions that create this. And so there are these inner identities that we have, and this creates suffering in our own, in our own kind of little world in a way that can spill out into others uh, based on how we interact with them. And then there's um, identities that maybe we feel that others put onto us. It's like, and this is, is I think, a lot of, um, um, you know, in the othering situation, in the, in the sense that uh, a dominant culture creates an other of of people of different races and different um, uh, sexual orientations or gender identifications or uh, different um, values in terms of class or economic um, background. You know, that, that there's a sense at times that, you know, I'd be happy not to have this identity if, if you didn't make me, you know, if you didn't put it on me. You know, that, that there's a way sometimes that others put identities on us. And this, this can also create suffering. It's, it's especially when we, um, when we uh, internalize those and, and um, kind of believe that identity or believe that view of that identity, perhaps. And so there's so many different ways that suffering happens around identities. Um, and so having described that, you know, having described that there's so much suffering around identities, sometimes this idea of like, oh, okay, well, so the teacher, the teachings, the Buddha says there is no self, so when I feel a sense of suffering around an identity, then I shouldn't feel that suffering because it doesn't really exist, it's just an illusion. And we talk to ourselves like that, and, and it's, this is not so helpful. Because what's happening is that we are identifying or we are feeling like somebody is identifying us, creating us as an other. And what is most helpful is to begin to study that. To look at what is it that I am taking to be self? What is it that you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of a sense of feeling othered, what is it that I may be picking up there and internalizing versus how can I reflect back that, you know, this is not, this is not true. How, how might I reflect back to somebody who is othering? This is not a true representation. So the, the, um, the study, I think, is really in the realm of not trying to apply somehow a teaching of not self from the top down, but instead being curious about those places, those ways that we identify or feel identified, 
feel that somebody is making us be identified. Um, so the, um, the study of the sense of self is an important way in because when we, when we recognize or, or recognize, oh, this is how I'm identifying. This is how I'm congealing. You know, when I started recognizing an identity that I had of myself as feeling like a failure, I started, and, and the corresponding feeling of self-hatred, I started being curious about it. Started, okay, this is an identity. What is this experience? It was very solid. But the idea of, well, there's no self, so I shouldn't feel like a failure. I shouldn't feel self-hatred. Well, good luck with that. You know, it's, it's so deeply conditioned. And so instead, I began this approach of recognizing when I could, oh, here's self-hatred. What's happening here? What's going on? What's the process that's happening here? So beginning to explore that sense of self. If I have time in a little while, I'll, I'll tell you some of the story of what what happened with that exploration? I mean, I can give you the punchline. It was like there was, there was um, the recognition at a very deep level of the truth that it was simply an internal construction. And with that deep recognition that it had no inherent reality. I mean, I, I had been told for years it has no inherent reality through these kinds of teachings. And yet, that teaching itself is not what penetrates. What penetrates is seeing for ourselves how something has no inherent reality. And in watching this, this pattern come and be constructed over and over again, at some point I really recognized those parts of the, the rainbow that came together. It's like, oh my gosh. This is just a reaction to a thought in the mind. The thought is a little blip. It has no reality other than what this mind is putting on it. And with that recognition, so much of the pattern let go. So the, the, the willingness to meet with mindfulness, the willingness to be curious about what we call self, and I think in our culture, the willingness to... Uh, be curious about what we call other will also have a transformative effect. What is it that we call self? What is it that we call other? How does that work? How does that function? And so this, um, this is uh, points to one of the Zen teachers, uh, Dogen, an, an old Zen teacher. I don't know exactly when he lived. It was quite a long time ago. Um, he wrote... To study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by all things. And so that, you know, what we do is not try to tell ourselves, forget the self, but study the self and recognize it's like that, that rainbow created from that blowhole. And it has no inherent reality. And in discovering that, so much of the uh, ways in which we suffer around those identities um, goes away. 
And so much the ways in which we put suffering on the world around those identities goes away. And, and it's not that those identities... I mean, the, the, the identity as the sense of a thing goes away. But at the same time, you know, it's like we navigate the world. I navigate the world as an Andrea. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not like... It's not like... I, I mean, when I'm... When I'm, when I'm um, uh, navigating the world in a in a way that feels most easeful holding that andrea very lightly you know it's not it's not kind of defending protecting that that andrea so the study of the self is really where it's at in in this uh exploration and so i want to ask you and we'll use the mic for this what are ways in which you feel like you are a me? Or what are ways in which it feels like I am? Just to get some of them out here. And you, you know, I'm going to write them down too. Or, or maybe just call them out if you, if you want and then I'll, write, I'll, I'll repeat them for the... For the well, to, to sort of half answer your question, I sort of, there's certain things in my life that seem very fixed and other things in my life that don't seem very fixed. So what are the kinds of things that seem fixed? Well, I've, I've always been good at math, but at the same time, there's been a diminishment of my ego investment in that over time. So uh, I, I think, you know, 40 years ago, I had more of a identification with that uh, than I do now. But since I'm working as a math tutor, I'm still very aware that I have ability in it. But I've sort of, there's been this shrinkage of sense yeah. that... But, but you're pointing to some an area that I think is a broad category where we tend to identify, where we have particular uh, talents or skills, perhaps, right. or areas where... Um, you know, and some some of those kinds of things we come into the world with, um, you know. So it seems as though there's a kind of a continuity of certain skills or talents over our lives, and mm-hmm. those do tend to be areas that we congeal uh, a sense of self around. Right. And as you as you pointed out, there's a recognition through some of the practice, I, I assume that through some of the practice the identification has weakened, that, um, that we can begin to recognize it's, well, you know, it's actually not so much about me. It's, yeah. it's just this being, this brain, right. this body has this skill, and yeah, I can't really take credit for it. Yeah. It's just this, this but, but there's still that sense of recognition of the ability. It, yeah, it's a I guess there's more sense that the ability is itself a gift, and once you acknowledge it as a gift, you can be humble about it. Um, and so I've still have some sense of self in a broad sense of self, but perhaps less sense of ego. Yeah, I, I yeah. yeah. And so that's but it's an important place because I think in the exploration around self, it does. It's not like it all goes away in one big kaboom. <laughs> there right. tends to be some weakening of some of those layers. Mm-hmm. And so a recognition of, you know, the ways that we identified, you know, around particular talents or skills. For instance, I used to be a dancer. 
Um, and I did identify with that, you know, the skill of that. The, and, and particularly what I discovered when I could, couldn't dance anymore because my body gave out was I identified with what it did for me. It gave me joy. And it was, a, it was one of the big areas of joy in my life. And it's like, well, I'm a happy person. But when dancing was taken away, it's more like, well, I'm a miserable person. That was, you know, so, so when, we, when some of those identities get taken away from us and, you know, they seem fixed, but, you know, even the, the skill in math, you know, if, if you end up with a brain tumor or you end up with, yes, you know, it's like, I, you, know, thought of that. <laughs> that, you know, it's like th- there are things that could take that fixity away. Yes. Okay. So, so, you know, and when that happens, we start to see, you know, just how and where we are more identified. It mm. took me several years to, to, to kind of really um, release the, the identity of being a dancer and, and begin to recognize there are other ways in my life that joy can can come in. So yeah, so this this place where things seem fixed is a is a big place around around uh, identities. So others, you know, just let the, let somebody else speak. Anybody else have some other thoughts about? Um, some role identities are are, are partner, which is big for me, um, therapist, whatever my work identity is at the moment, which is therapist right now. Um, and, and are there certain things about that? I mean, it's, it's, the roles are interesting, um, but are there certain things about the role that kind of you more... Like a skill or a a feeling or well, in, in partner, it's 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 a whole project of giving and receiving love and how to do that in more and more healthy ways, and also for us, our our um, supporting and sharing our spiritual journeys is it's the cultivation of of yeah. our of ourselves. Yeah. Or to self-discovery, whatever. Um, I don't know about therapist identity. That's good. that's um, a little more complex. Well, although in the same way, there that can be um, a kind of a give and take, and a um, yeah, for me that part of the the role of being a teacher. There's a piece of the um, the identity as being a helper being a support, a supporter. It's, it's, it, I mean, for me as an individual, it's an exploration of, of how to love fully involved and fully detached at the same time. Yeah. And, um, and recognizing where that's hard. Right. And yeah. how, to be, how to be fully in emotion and foster that but not caught in it. I mean, that goes across everything. And... Um, so I'd say in, in some ways when, one of the things you're pointing to is the whole, as you said, the whole project of giving and receiving love. You know, so this is again a kind of a core human piece of, you know, in, in our um, being human, we are relational beings. And, you know, it's like a, a, a child 
cannot survive without relationship. And so we are designed to be relational and to have these uh, emotional connections. And so, um, you know, that, that's a big place around which identities do form. I, th- I think one of the big differences in therapy versus relationship, other kinds of relationship for me, is that actually, truly, therapy is not about me at all. Uh-huh. And that's a cult, even though it is, right? And it becomes, and I'm there. But it's not about me at all. Whereas in my primary relationship, it's a, you know... It's a sh- it's about me half the time at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as there's a me there to have it be about. So those are I think deep inner pro- inner identities that aren't about roles are are um, the shame based self that the the what shame based shame based self. self. Okay, I'm so, unworthy. Mm-hmm. There's more colorful terms for that, but let's just leave that there. And then there's also this, which I've just started exploring, this sort of, I don't know, the way it feels right now is just this jan, like it's a little tiny piece of light jan that's been there all the time. And so can you... From the beginning can, can of time. Can you touch that, what that's about? I, I'm just... Just beginning to explore it's, it's that. A, I don't know for sure. It's just an awareness... It feels kind of like a secret self. It's sort of like this um, present. Um, so the way the Buddha talked about that sense of self, yeah. you know, it's it's. Um, you know, he 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 used this three layer. I think of it as a three layer identification that that you know an exploration. He said we should recognize. Um, this is not me. This is not mine. This is not who I am. Um, and you know the the mind piece is pretty easy to recognize. That's probably the most obvious form of selfing is the possessor, the owner. You know, it can be of material things. You know, I am. You know, this is mine. This thing is mine. This this pen is mine. This you know paper is mine. You know, so it, it very subtle levels even these these ownerships. And you know, it's like. You know, on the surface of it, it doesn't feel much like, you know, this paper is very deeply attached to. And yet, um, you know, if this were my only copy of these notes, there might be more of a fear if I lost them. You know, so, so the, the, the feeling and the, the, the sense of ownership can create suffering around the loss of what is owned. Or the fear of trying to, um, can create suffering around the fear of trying to hold on to it. So that's the, that's the kind of the most obvious one to explore is the mind piece. And then there's the, the I piece, um, which is kind of the area around, I think of anyway. So this is my understanding of this three layers. As far as I know, it's not in the suttas in this way, but um, there are hints of this. So it's not completely... Um, uh, my of my own making, um, so um, so the mind piece, the possessor. Then there's the I piece, which I think of as being the the sense of the one who has some kind of control. So you know the 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 one who who has the skills, who can do. So the the one who is the doer. I'm the one who acts. I'm the one who. Uh, Intends. I'm the one who chooses. This is a huge area of of um, 
um, identification. And sometimes it might feel like, um, you know, I'm acting in a way that's helpful for myself. And other times it's like we see, we see that, you know, there's a pattern there um, that we're acting out of that we have little control over, but we're still acting in it. And it's like, you know, well, why do I keep doing this? So there's an identification with being the one who's doing. That's a big area of identification. And I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a slightly more subtle than the possessor, but it's, you know, so it's the doer. So there's the possessor, there's the doer, and I'll propose that, that most of our identifications can fall into one of these categories. Although maybe not, we'll see as we continue the discussion. So the possessor, the doer, and then the third is the, this is me. And to me, that's more what you're pointing to, is the, the kind of a some sense of something that's there. And, um, you know, um, the way the, the, the way I'm, I phrase it is, so self, the, the doer is self as subject. You know, I'm the one who does. I'm the subject of the sentence. I do, I act, I think, I feel, I go, I, I take care of, I wish. I, it, the, the one who has agency. There's a kind of an agency. And then the me is where the I is the subject of the sentence. Where we are kind of the one that things happen to. I am the one who experiences things. I am the one to whom things happen. I am the one, I am the, 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 the one who knows, uh, the, the, one, the, the one who feels that, that the knowing and feelings happen to this me. Um, and I think that it's, it's a kind of a combination of, of three basic um, functions in our mind. Knowing, remembering, and um, a feeling that that sense of kind of continuity comes from. You know, the, the consci- you pointed to consciousness, just a knowing, and there's a continuity of knowing. It's like, I, when I think about it, I can think about what did I do this morning? What did I do last night? You know, and kind of work our way back. And sometimes we can think about, you know, something that happened years ago. And, and there's a sense that, yeah, that happened to me. Partly because of this, you know, the kind of the, the stream of, of memories. You know, that it's like we've got these, these, these uh, memories that create the sense of a stream. And like a river... You know, it's like there's some, some kind of continuity there that feels like something. We don't know exactly what it is. But so, so there's that, that, the memory. I think memory plays a big piece of that, of that kind of um, um, sense of self, that, that deeper sense of self. And, um, and then um, also, you know, the, the, the feeling, the... Knowing and the perceiving, those three pieces together are kind of what meets the world. Um, and so, yeah, and, and, and the remembering plays a big part of that. You know, if you um, lose that capacity to remember and you live entirely in the present moment, you know, if, if something in the brain can happen that you lose the capacity to remember and you live entirely in the present moment, 
you're not a very functional human being. And so, again, that possibility, that, that, that memory we can see through, through accident and brain damage, that that capacity to remember is not inherent either. And, uh, yeah, so, so, but it's, what I want to point to here is, you know, so these three layers, and this one that you're talking to, what it feels like me, it's like that's the most subtle, the most nebulous, the most hard to pin down, and yet the one that feels the truest <laughs> in some way. But it doesn't seem to have a lot of, you know, like the shame-based self has a story and a narrative yes. and all these thoughts, and, you know, and, I can, and misery. This is just a clear point of light. That it's a feeling. It doesn't have, yeah. Doesn't yeah, it's really a feeling. A sense. A sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that's what I, I'd encourage. So looking at the different kinds of selves is an important um, exploration. So, you know, looking at the, the, the various identities, the shame-based self or the roles that we have or the, you know, just, okay, what, what's happening there? So for myself, the, the, uh, the feeling of being, um, you know, of self-hatred, of be, feeling unworthy. Um, now I could begin to recognize there are conditions that lead to the arising of the strengthening of that feeling. And there are times when it's not there. And so beginning to see it's an impermanent phenomenon. So with, with the identities that we have, we can begin to recognize the impermanence of those. Um, and though that begins to undermine some of the, um, the clinging around them. And so that's, that's one of the big uh, supports just get, you know, so get really familiar with those, those selves, those familiar ones, the shame-based selves, the roles, the identities, and get curious about them. Are they always there? Especially ones that feel like they're really you. You know, ones that, this one is me. Like, check it out. You know, what is that feeling of it being you? What is that feeling of I am this? And then is it always there? You know, in a way, what, what we do is we impute when it's not there, I, I've told this story many times, if, you know, having a sense of myself as being miserable. And um, I would notice at times that I wasn't miserable before I started practicing. I'd, you know, I'd notice at times that I wasn't miserable. But you know, what my mind did with that was, well, yeah, I'm happy now, but I, what I know is really that I'm miserable. Just that, that kind of imputing of a continuity to a strong identity you know, to an to, to a identity, instead of acknowledging it's an identity that comes and goes, and that happiness is also something that comes and goes. I was very, it was easy for me not to identify with happiness. It wasn't so easy for me not to identify <laughs> with the miserableness. So that's, the, that's, a, that's a first exploration around kind of the, 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 I, the, the kind of more obvious identities that we have is just start to recognize when are they there, when are they not there. And then around the, the more subtle ones, first just get familiar with what it is. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of sense of self, that kind of just sense of sense of me. It doesn't have a lot of there there when you start looking at it. And... Um, Again, before I started practicing, I had an experience. Um, I remembered this this morning and thought of sharing it with you. Um, somebody did an exercise with me 
that was designed to look at kind of my layers of identities. And, and they had me write down a whole bunch of, you know, identities on pieces of paper. Maybe you've done something like this. I don't know. And then kind of order them. You know, what's kind of most out on the edges and like least you to what feels most you. And so I had, you know, some 16 or 20 pieces of paper with these different layers of identities. And the exercise was to, to start at the outer layers and begin to look at each one and say, okay, can I put that one down? And what happens if I put the next one down? And what the next one and the next one? And, you know, we got back to the, the one that I felt was the most core. And I remember what it was. It was uh, having a sense of boundaries, having a sense that I know who I am and what I'm about. And when the person asked me to put that one down and said, and what's there? It's like, there's nothing there. And I thought there was something wrong with me. The person who had done the exercise with me didn't have the, the understanding or, or skill to help me see how that was actually an insight, not a problem. That I thought that when, when you know, when ev- all of the, the identities were pulled away, there would be something that would be the core me that would be really beautiful and really special, or I don't know what I thought, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't nothing. And there's a way in which that nothing also has beauty to it. But the, you know, the, the way in which I could understand it at that point, never having heard anything like what the Buddha teaches, was there something fundamentally flawed about me. I'm, I am an oddity of a human being that there's nothing in the middle. And so this is, this is, a, this is another piece that as we start to look at this kind of very... Uh, ephemeral sense of me. And we may sense, you know, it's like, well, I turn to look at it and there's nothing there. As Joseph Goldstein sometimes says, the not finding is the finding. It's not a fundamental flaw. It's the nature of it that it's not findable. It's the nature of it that you can't really land on that. So it's... Again, I want to encourage the exploration, and it sounds like you're interested in that. So, yeah. And it's time to stop. So I promised that we would keep talking about this until we're done, and we're not done. So more next week. (laughs) Thank you for your attention.